There are new power brokers, let's say, among the coaching fraternity in the National Football League. Obviously, there's a place on top of Mount Kilimanjaro named Bill Belichick, but I'm telling you, the guys that are the future in the National Football League, for at least the next foreseeable future, I mean, they're in their early 30s, for Christ's sake, and you see it when teams are hiring disciples of these two guys already. And what I'm talking about, National Football League, Kyle Shanahan of the San Francisco 49ers, Sean McVay of the NFC champion Los Angeles Rams. These two guys, along with Broncos' first-year head coach, but 62-year-old Vic Fangio, but they're all on the same page. These three feel that they would get much better bang for their buck. One of the most controversial topics ongoing in the National Football League right now because of safety, because of cost, because of credibility, and a lot of different reasons, is these stupid exhibition and or preseason games. Remember this, folks. When I was growing up, there were six preseason games. What a waste of time. Wow, six. There were six. I didn't even know that. Until 1978, I want to say. Late 70s for sure. Did they play harder back then in the preseason, or was it always a joke? Oh, I... you know what? That's a great point. I I don't really remember. I mean, that's obviously been a while. I don't really remember. Great point. Uh, but up until, let's say, the late 70s, 78 is the number that seems to reckon, recognize in my small brain. But they had six preseason games and only 14 regular season games. We're trying to get that changed in the National Football League. Mo Smith and the Players Association have no problem with 18-game regular seasons from what I'm reading, but then they need to do something about the number of, obviously, the exhibition games. Well, Shanahan and McVeigh, along with Vic Fangio, are talking about that they think, because it was funny, the Broncos and the 49ers got together this week in Denver from uh, for some uh, team practices. Um, and these three guys feel that they would get much better bang for their buck in preparing their respective teams for the National Football League season with more joint practices with other teams than exhibition games. And I can certainly see why. And here's the, here's the big reason. I watched mainly because J.J. Watt came back to Green Bay, and Green Bay was filming this, so we got to see it on TV. Um, but... There is contact, but there is no putting anybody onto the ground in these joint practices. You make an initial hit, but then the play is supposedly dead. And you always see a lot in these joint practices fights that start. And the fights start when someone gets thrown to the ground. That's not supposed to get thrown to the ground. What you're supposed to do is make contact or initiate contact, but then that signifies the end of the play. These three coaches, and I think there are a lot of other coaches in the National Football League as well, would, would probably echo these, these sentiments by Messrs. Shanahan, McVeigh, and Fangio about more joint practices and less exhibition games. Shanahan goes on to say that they don't need more than two exhibition games. And how he would use these two exhibition games, he'd use the first one to get his team and knock some of the rust off after not having played in a stadium and, and with a clock and all the other things that they haven't done in a number of months. That's what he'd use one of the two 
exhibition games for. And the second one is what he would use, what Chris and I have been talking about on this program for never, ever a men, which is basically a tryout for roster positions 23 through 53. So the first 22 and key reserves would never see the field. And I could see that as a tenable situation. I really could. But this four exhibitions, and again, I go back to the you know Green Bay-Houston game, the first game of the exhibition season this year for both teams, and the Packers hold out 26 guys. It's fucking ridiculous to go to an NFL game and you're not going to get to see 26 preferred players. You look at your roster of the guys, you look at the program of the game that you're at when the Packers are holding 26 guys out of the lineup. My God, you need a, you need, you literally need that program just to know who these guys are. And I just think, again, if you're cha- charging major league prices, then you've got to have those guys on the field. And I think the only way we do that is we cut down the goddamn exhibition season. We, we move the regular season to 18 games and leave out that crap that the players are only eligible to play in 16 games. That's a bunch of horseshit too. But move it up to 18, reduce the exhibition games down to two, have a couple of joint practices, and let's get it on. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast a long time ago, and uh, I forget what it was called. No, no, it was unscripted, and they talked about how we should go down to two uh, preseason games. And I agree with that, whether they go to 16 uh, or 18 uh, in the regular season. I mean, either way, 16 or 18, um, it'd make it the timing kind of awkward. The timing works out really well right now. Like, it starts after Labor Day, the regular season. Right. That seems like the right, perfect time to start. And then it goes to the end of the year, and then January's playoffs, and then beginning of February's the Super Bowl. That all seems to work out really well. So I like that. Uh, It'd be weird if, because I don't know if they'd want to push that back. I guess there's no reason they couldn't push it back more, have the Super Bowl mid-February as opposed to early. It doesn't really matter. I guess. Well, then you're running into the uh, XFL. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Enjoy that one season yeah. while it lasts. <laughs> you wouldn't get to see Landry Jones play quarterback for one of the oh, eight yes, teams the, in the, the XFL. Yeah. The only, had you see that? The only official signing of the XFL so far is Landry Jones. Yeah. The first ever guy. Uh, we've talked about what a, what a competent football player he is. <laughs> recently so that's a really nice way to wow say it. isn't that but yeah we've talked about that for a long time and I'd, I'd be fine with 18 if you go to 18 in the regular season then the players are going to are, are going to want to get paid more that's going to make negotiations for the cba even tougher i got one suggestion then if we move it to 18 which i'm okay with but then we need to add one more team or well two more teams i guess to even it out in the ride to playoffs what do you think of that Oh, that's interesting. You don't well, just because there's more games doesn't inherently mean you have to have more teams make. Well, the no, but I mean, there's got to be some kind of prize, and I think that this might do it. I mean, it it would, you know, you're at those fringe teams of nine and seven and eight and eight and all this other stuff, and now you give their fan base a little bit of something to get excited about. I remember the one intelligent thing that McCarthy always said in Green Bay is that to get to the playoffs, you got to get to ten, meaning ten wins. Well. I just throw this out there as something to think about because if you add that to 18 and you're taking away the two meaningless exhibition games, but the owners are going to come back and say, well, that's revenue out of our pocket. Well, then I come back and say, okay, listen, we move it up to 18 games. Forget about that 16 game crap 
everybody's eligible to play every game. If there's a guy hurt for a legitimate reason, he doesn't play. Or if you want to arrest him, but we don't need to announce it. What I'm saying is what the owners would probably be jumped all over. Because remember, when you have a home playoff game, a lot of people seem to forget this. Why is home court advantage or home ice advantage or home field advantage so important in the playoffs? For the owners, more specifically, it's more more important for the simple fact that all uh, income from the game, the parking, the concessions, tickets, everything, during the regular season, you've got to share it with your opponent. In the postseason, everything gets to be kept by the home team. So Jerry Jones, if the Cowboys with $40 million man Zach Prescott ever make the playoffs again, Jerry gets to keep everything that is generated on game day at Jerry's World down there in Irving, Texas. That's why the owners obviously want playoff games. So we throw them a bone by saying we throw two more teams in to the round of, I don't know how it works. I just It would make it tough, but then you, you'd almost risk extending the playoffs. By well, I, I get that, but I think that for us to get to 18 and get rid of some of these stupid exhibition games, there's going to have to be some compromise on both sides. And the owners aren't going to give up anything in regard to taking away from their bank account because that's how rich people get rich. They screw the poor. And I truly believe that, I don't know if that's it. I'm just, you know, I'm just spitballing here, but you're going to have to give the owners something, I think, for them to give up a potential home date, whether it be an exhibition game or whatever. I just think that that's one of the things that is going to be huge in this next collective bargaining agreement with the Players Association is uh, playoffs and home gates. Uh, Money makes the world go around. We can talk about great stories about this guy doing this and this guy throwing for 400 yards and this guy throwing for six touchdown passes and this guy running for a a buck 50 and three scores. But the bottom line here, folks, is money. I've been saying that since day one. I said it day one, 25 years ago on my radio program. Money makes the sports world go around. And the owners aren't going to do anything if they have to give up some of their incoming revenues. And so that is going to be the biggest contentious issue. We can talk about safety in the National Football League. We can talk about rules changes. We can talk about a time clock. We can talk about everything. But ultimately, the biggest topic on any docket for any meeting between now and the end of the 2021 season when this current collective bargaining agreement is expired is going to be money. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and, and I again, I want to re- reiterate that I am totally in favor of uh, getting rid of two preseason games. That's the number we came up with a couple of years Correct. ago. Yeah. We said two is absolutely right. If they really wanted to go to one, I'd be fine with that. Two, I think, makes sense. And if you want to then take those two games and add them to the regular season, all the better. I'm all about the regular season. Like for me, with my betting and for my yeah. fantasy football, right. that's all regular season. I don't really care much about the playoffs because I don't have a true hardcore favorite team. I like to support the Rams and our buddy Greg. but And, you know, I have some teams I like and some I don't. But the playoffs aren't really that great for me. The Super Bowl is just kind of a, a unique novelty for me. It's fantasy football, and it's betting tons of games at a time on the regular season. So it's all regular season all the time for me. I'd love an extra two weeks of NFL regular season. I think that'd be wonderful. The players will want more money for the extra two games, and that makes sense. And I think that's pretty easy to do if you want to get that done. But yeah, I'm, I'm totally in favor of at least getting rid of the two preseason games, whether you add two more to the regular season or not. 
Um, a lot of things to talk about National Football League-wise as we say again and welcome you again to this 379th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Um, this was this was funny. I, I have to admit, this is funny. Um, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is... You know, I have said, and, and Chris has said many times on this program, and even in jest, wherever we have been, we have always made mention that if we have a problem in Canada right now with our leadership in regard to, <laughs> in regard to the guy who's supposedly running the country, but he's really only running three provinces. Well, it's more than that because you've got the Maritimes, Quebec, and Ontario, and everything west of Ontario he's forgotten about. But we have also often said many times that if Wayne Gretzky ever decided to throw his hat into the political ring, he would win in a landslide for the prime minister job in the country of Canada. I'd vote for him twice just because we need change, and I have great respect for the greatest hockey player of all time. But if Aaron Rodgers ever decides to run for the governor of the state of Wisconsin, he just won with this proclamation this week as to what he thinks the Green Bay Packers organization should do for a game day experience at the great Lambeau field. Aaron Rodgers says, and I quote his suggestion to the Green Bay Packers organization to create more of a home field advantage at Lambeau field is to cut beer prices in half. So (laughs) cut beer prices in half at Lambeau. So everybody just gets shit faced and it becomes like just a lion's den in there. And I like it. The beer people probably like it. The mothers against drug drivers, probably not so much. But I love Aaron Rodgers. I like that he, yes, he is a he is a minority owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. Yes, last year in the playoffs when the Bucks made the run to the Eastern Conference Finals, it was fun watching the the uh, Packer players sitting there coming down to the games and getting into these chugging contests with the beers. Uh, first of all, remember this, U.S. beer is not as strong as Canadian beer. Canadian beer tastes better. Canadian beer is stronger. Canadian beer on average is about 5% alcohol, whereas down in the States, it's only 3.5%. Best beer on the market is Bud Light Platinum. That's 6%. If you, if you would serve that at Lambeau Field, everybody would be gone by halftime. But giving access to 81,000 people to half-price beer over the course of four quarters at Lambeau Field, you'd have more than a drunk crowd. You'd have fights. You'd have a lot of problems. But I like where Rogers is going with this. Again, probably not real popular in the offices of the Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, but cutting the beer prices in half at Lambeau so you could have a more intimate setting and a more rowdy setting at Lambeau Field, I like the idea. Well, of all the problems in the world, <laughs> the, the idea that there aren't enough drunk people at Lambeau Field during a Packers game is yeah. probably at the bottom of my list. <laughs> like, Listen, wow. this is the honest to God truth. Honest to God truth. Even during the 29 years of shit, from Coach Lombardi to Coach uh, Holmgren. Holmgren, thank you, people would show up Literally. And the Packers, remember at that time, in the 29 years of shit, they were terrible, and they were never the national game of the week. They'd start every week at noon in Green Bay. And people would start coming Friday night and set up their tailgating Mm -hmm. for Sunday's game in Green Bay. 
Mm-hmm. I would imagine they had done the same thing at Rough Riders games and at at at, uh, I, at I the know. old Taylor you, Field. You know, you know, I I haven't really seen that tailgating is as big a thing in Canada oh, okay. as it is in the NFL. But but people would show up starting late Friday night and get their position reserved for Sunday to start right then. So they're half crocked by Saturday afternoon. So I don't think, even though I love the idea, I don't think we have to cut the beer prices in half at Lambeau. <laughs> but I, I mean, in all seriousness, though, I have a hard time believing that the I, even though I'm sure the beer is overpriced, oh, I have yeah. a hard time believing that people have paid all this money for the game and everything that, you know, they're like, well, I would have another beer, but it's too expensive. I don't know if that's happening a lot. Is it like, I mean, I think people and especially the more beers they drink, the less likely they are to care about having one more and the, how much it costs. 825 I, is the cost of a, of a 12 ounce beer at Lambeau during Packers. Oh, games. I would have thought even more than that, but. Well, remember I, how much beer gets produced in the state of Wisconsin. Yeah. It's a third of the goddamn national revenue of the state of Wisconsin. Milk, cheese, and beer. Yeah. So I don't think that that's actually an issue, number one. So I don't think that lowering the cost would really um, increase that much. And for the ones that it did, they're probably already drunk. True. So it's just making them extra drunk. Yeah. And number two... Uh, I don't know if that's what you want, even as the home crowd. I mean, if you're the defense, sure. But the offense, you look at how well Peyton Manning, the discipline he trained the Indianapolis Colts fans with uh, when he's on offense. That place was like a church all the time. That's right. And, you know, it's and I mean, Indianapolis isn't, you know, some crazy southern hick town. It's not, you know, it's it's like in a dome. It's it's about as most as calm and civilized as you're going to get in the NFL, I think. But, uh, you know, you do that in Lambo and the frozen tundra and guys are shirtless at minus 40. Like, I'm pretty sure they're already pretty liquored up. And, uh, and really, they might at that point just forget to even be quiet when you want them to be quiet, which should actually be what Aaron Rodgers is really looking for as a member of the offense and the quarterback. So I actually don't think it's a really great idea. I don't think it accomplishes anything positive. And I'm pretty sure that uh, every week when there's a sold out crowd that's full of beer anyway, uh, Lambeau Field's volume is not the problem. Um, National Football League actual games played this week, the exhibition season. And uh, I did want to talk about Kyler Murray. Um, the Arizona Cardinals, as we all know, have spent a lot of draft capital the last couple of years on quarterbacks. Number 10 overall in 2018, Josh Rosen. Of course, my partner and friends, very best friend in the National Football League, Josh Rosen. I, I strongly suggest if you want to know what Chris really feels about Josh Rosen, go to our website and uh, read his very well-written uh, blog about his feelings about the former UCLA star. And I use the word star very loosely. They spent a number 10 overall draft pick on him in 2018. This year at the April draft, 2019, they spent the number one overall pick on Kyler Murray. They bring in a coach that supposedly has had the hots for him since about grade 10, talking about Cliff Kingsbury, the new coach of the Arizona Cardinals, who, remember, is coming off a season of 5-7-1 and one at Texas Tech, and he was fired. Um, but I think Kyler Murray finally f- figured something out on Thursday night after a pathetic performance against the Oakland Raiders. And this is not the Oakland Raiders of the seventies and eighties when they had a dominant defense. This is the very, oh, lacking in a lot of different areas. Oakland Raiders of 2019, as they prepare to move to, to, uh, Las Vegas in 2020. But, uh, 
Kyler Murray looked like he's had 14 college football starts on Thursday night in the uh, Oakland Raiders ass-kicking of the Arizona Cardinals. Um, comments on uh, Kyler Murray's performance. Maybe he found out that A, this isn't the University of Oklahoma in the Big 12 anymore, and B, that things just aren't handed to you at this level just because you were the number one overall pick. Yeah, he really didn't look good. And I've been saying all along, I don't think he's going to look good. I don't know how many Tim Tebow's and Vince Young's we have to see before we're going to realize. And at least Vince Young was big. And Tim Tebow, like, they're pretty big guys. Like, I mean, Kyler Murray. I mean, when he ran out of the tunnel the other day with his team, you know, it's like one one person on Twitter said, like, it looked like a Make-A-Wish kid going out there for his, you know, like, it was ridiculous. And Mike just took a sip of uh, Coke Slurpee right at that moment. So hopefully it doesn't come out his nose. <laughs> That's but, a great line. Yeah, it was. It, <laughs> Make-A-Wish Foundation. Oh, I man, remember it, that. it was crazy, though. I mean, and I love the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And uh, but but I mean, like it was it, it was just totally ridiculous. And they say he's 5'10". I don't know. I don't know how Kyler Murray is two inches or three inches taller than me or whatever I've shrunk down to now. But I just uh, he really doesn't look very big back there. And I don't know. You bring in a coach that doesn't have a great pedigree, had a losing record and got fired. How does that get you to the NFL? There's only 32 spots. There aren't there aren't 32, uh, you know, guys that can win at college who are going to get an NFL job. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense to me. I haven't liked anything about this. You're lying on rookies in the receiving core, except for Larry Fitzgerald, who, I mean, doesn't have a whole lot left. The offensive line is nothing special. You've got David Johnson, who's great, but I don't know if they're going to know how to use him correctly. There's a there's a lot of issues I have with this Arizona Cardinals team, and they're going to have to throw a lot because now you've got Patrick Peterson, arguably the best cornerback in the league, out for six games with a suspension. And now their other one that the guy they got from Atlanta, Robert Alford, he is uh, now he's out for a while. So all of a sudden you've got no cornerbacks back there, which was the strength of your defense. If uh, Kyler Murray is going to have to be forcing the ball a lot, I don't think that's going to go well. And I think the Cardinals are going to be in for a real rude awakening here. I haven't bought the hype at any point all year. I haven't, I'm not even drafting David Johnson in any of my leagues. I'm not drafting Kyler Murray in any of my leagues. I just, I don't believe in them at all. And uh, yeah, he, he, you know what he needs to do too, by the way, he keeps doing this clapping instead of just yelling yeah. hut or hike. Yeah. And uh, I don't know why, like, I mean, th that should be something reserved for like, hey guys, we're down to one second. Like, give me the ball now. That's what that's supposed to mean. I don't know what they're doing back there, but the whole Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury thing. This was a really, really, really risky gamble with, to me, not a lot of upside and just a terrible downside. It was risky, it was ill-advised, and it was frankly crazy and reckless. I don't see how it works out well at all. Maybe the Arizona Cardinals go for the second year in a row as the worst team in the league. Well, I think the Arizona Cardinals need to take a look at their front office as well. And maybe this is part of the problem. We were talking about uh, cutting the beer prices at uh, Lambeau Field, according to all-world quarterback Aaron Rodgers. But I think we need to start taking the bar out of the front offices of the Arizona Cardinals organization. If you remember in 2018, general manager Steve Keim was uh, busted for a... It was even worse than a normal... DUI. They put a different title on it uh, because he was so hammered that he just he was out of it. 
And the Cardinals, uh, what they did was they fined him $200,000 and they suspended him for a major, I don't know what the word is, heavy something, but it was even higher than just a normal, regular DUI. He was above and, and above and beyond the legal limit. Well, just this last week, another, and I don't know the name of the individual, but it was somebody from their front office in the Cardinals organization that was busted earlier this week as well for another DUI. So maybe we should take the liquor out of the front office of the Arizona Cardinals and they can make some better judgment decisions. Because I'm with you. I think that they could have kept your favorite Josh Rosen and used that number one draft capital on another area of concern. Because they got a lot of areas of concern on this football team. And I don't think drafting another quarterback was the right thing to do. And maybe when they were drafting the second quarterback, maybe they were all drunk. I don't know. But uh, there are some problems in Arizona, and I think that somebody needs to address what's going on out there in the desert. Because except for the great run where they should have won the Super Bowl with Kurt Warner at quarterback years ago, uh, except for the great catch by somebody, I think it was Santonio Holmes, in the end zone from, from Ben Roethlisberger in Tampa, I believe Arizona probably could have and maybe should have won that Super Bowl. But besides that that year, have the Cardinals been prevalent in football ever? And remember this, as we sit here and we're under three weeks now of the two teams that are going to open this 100th season, the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field on Thursday night on the 5th of September, People forget that the Arizona Cardinals are actually older than both of those two teams. The difference is Arizona started in Chicago. They used to play at Comiskey Field, went to St. Louis, now in Arizona. Here's the problem. The Packers have 13 NFL championships. The Bears are second with nine. And the Cardinals are like most of the other teams in the NFL, zero. There's been something wrong with the Arizona Cardinals since day one. And I think this is going to be a really, really long year again for the eight remaining fans in Glensdale, Arizona, because A, their front office is drunk and making bad decisions and then getting into a car and driving, which is an even worse decision. And I just don't, I think they're kind of rudderless. I think their leadership, they don't really have a clue. And I don't think bringing in a one-dimensional, meaning offensive coach, in on a team that's got problems on in all three facets of the game, offense, defense, special teams, and bringing in a losing coach from a losing program, I think that's just reeks of desperation, and I think it's going to be another long freaking year for the Arizona Cardinals. That's a really good point. The oldest team in the NFL has never won any championships of any kind. That is beyond inexcusable 100 years with nothing 100 years of crap that is unbelievable and that's how you know that they're not a serious well-run franchise steve keim gets in trouble for drinking and driving uh he gets a big fine and all that but keeps his job then some front office guy does the same thing i think it's even not as severely as he did and he gets fired so if it was a serious organization anyone who did that offense would be fired doesn't matter who you are Right. But then when you start being like, oh, well, you're the fancy GM, so you can keep your job. But if you're less than the GM, you don't. You can't have that, guys. That's not a serious organization. So there's a lot of issues there. Uh, The fact that after 100 years, they have no championships and they're uh, last year, they were the worst team in the league and they look like they're 
almost downgrading their team. Uh, I guess there's no hope for them. They're making the Detroit Lions look pretty good right now. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. Week uh, one. Week, week one, one, by the way. Watch Detroit go there and kick their ass, by the way. Detroit opens in Arizona? Yeah. I'm taking Detroit. Mm-hmm. Never thought I'd say that out live. Mm-hmm. Um, one last NFL note on this uh, 379th uh, edition of our program. Um, and you just wonder how long it's going to be until... You know, the axe falls again. You just wonder. I mean, addiction is an illness. I get that. I get that. Where, though, in the National Football League do you get as many chances as wide receiver Josh Gordon has gotten from the National Football League? Jane Goodell's husband reinstates uh, the wide receiver, Josh Gordon, to the New England Patriots. And my question for Chris and anybody else there listening on our nine different social media avenues to listen to Unscripted with Mike and Chris. How long will Gordon last this time as the newest member again of the New England Patriots? He serves a need. There's no question about it. But will he make it through the season? I kind of think so. But, you know, part of it is that Roger Goodell has been so hard on this kid for some reason. And, I mean, all the kid ever did is have some drinks and smoke some weed. That's all the guy. The guy's not. I don't think the guy's ever been busted for steroids or hard drugs or anything else. He's or drinking and driving for that matter. I don't think he's ever done any of that stuff. It's just he smokes some weed and he likes to drink and uh, that's about it. And he keeps getting all these ridiculous suspensions on suspensions and uh, and it's and also this is so weird. This is the other weird thing about this story. It always seemed like Goodell was way too harsh on the guy, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, right during training camp, he just reinstates him fully. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's something, there has to be something we don't know about this situation yeah. because he I'd was, agree with that. He was way too harsh and now he's, now he's just ultra slack out of nowhere instantly. And it's, it, yeah, it doesn't make any sense even for Goodell. So we're clearly missing something here, but Josh Gordon, I'll never forget that 2013 season where he led the league in receiving yards, only playing in 14 games. Mm-hmm. And the guy has great potential. The guy is only 28 years old at this point, has lots of tread left on the tires. I mean, he has not played a whole lot of games in his career, and he's 28 now. Amazing freak natural athlete. And uh, yeah, I mean, Brady could really use him because they really don't have a lot going on there. That end kill Harry hasn't looked great. Uh, They've got that new kid, uh, Jacoby Myers, some random kid that's looking pretty good. They've got Edelman. Uh, They've always got James White out of the backfield, maybe the most underrated player in the league. Uh, From Wisconsin. There you go. But I mean, no more Gronk and... Um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, Josh uh, Gordon could be a really good thing. I feel like he'll get his act together. I mean, you couldn't have been harsher on him. If he screws up again, if he does something that gets legitimate suspension, I I mean, at that point, you have to give up on him, even if he was, I think, treated a little too harshly overall, because he didn't do anything even as bad as Steve Kime that I'm aware of. Right. Right. So, and he's missed like all the prime of his career, like most of his twenties he's missed. So I, I kind of, I've always kind of liked Josh Gordon for some reason. I'm kind of rooting for him, and I hope he does okay, and I hope he gets it together. I hope he's given a fair shot, and I hope he makes the most of it. So I am actually uh, going to be fairly optimistic on Josh Gordon. I'm going to give him one more chance, one more really big chance, but certainly one more chance. I did a radio show in the States on Tuesday this week as we talk about the um, New England Patriots. And I made the assertion that I believe in my heart of hearts that we will see Rob Gronkowski in 2019. I could, I could see it. I think by 
somewhere either at the quarter pole or the half pole of the season, he's going to get bored. All his buddies are going to be working. And uh, I think we're going to see Rob Gronkowski again. And it'll only be for the Patriots. I don't think he'd go anywhere else. No, he won't. He won't. But I think that we are going to see Rob Gronkowski don a Patriots uniform again in 2019. I really believe that. Um, I just believe that he's got too much talent to not use it. Um, And I think he's going to get bored. And I think once he sees all his buddies out there, um, I think he's going to he's going to yearn for the game again. A little time away probably will do him some good, but I do believe in my heart of hearts that we will see Rob Gronkowski in 2019 for the New England Patriots once again. It's possible. I mean, and some rest will do him good, but I have heard he has lost quite a bit of weight. Like he hasn't been hitting the gym very hard lately. So he's not in, I've heard, muscular or cardio shape right now. So he'd have to do both those, which are tough to do those at the same time. Like put on muscle again, even with muscle memory and get into good cardio. So they're tough to do at the same time. But he still has access, I would imagine, to the trainers of the New England Patriots and his own personal trainers and his own peeps. I just think... He is going to get that itch. I think he will too. And he hasn't become a big Hollywood star like he seemed to think was going to happen, uh, which I don't even know if he tried that hard, but he's just, he's not cut out for that, whether he thinks he does, or he thinks he is or not. And uh, I, I think that he might come back, yeah, for a playoff push if the Patriots are doing okay and they always are doing okay. So I, I can see it for sure. But I mean, he at least needs the rest. I mean, his back looked. You know, Aaron Rodgers sat up with back tightness. Uh, Rob Gronkowski looks like he has back tightness every week, and he did not look very good for most of last year. So I think he's pretty much done unless he unless all the rest can help fix his back. So I, I don't think we're ever going to see the dominant Gronk of before, but as an extra weapon to pick up the odd red zone touchdown from Brady, yeah, he could come back and potentially help in the playoffs. Well, and look at the decoy he could potentially be. Oh, yeah. I mean... Uh, I just, I don't know. We'll see. I could be totally just, you know, like I like to say, spitballing here, but I just have a sneaky feeling that come midseason and the Patriots are probably struggling in the red zone a little bit and Brady is struggling a little bit trying to find that guy. I mean, he, like, like Chris had mentioned, they still have uh, Julian Edelman on the roster, but uh, I just had this, I don't know, weird feeling that we're going to see uh, number 87 again somewhere down the line in 2019 for the New England Patriots. We've got a run on this 379th episode of Unscripted. As always, we thank you for joining us and hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.